Straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the students of conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time. Alright, welcome to Students of Conflict. We're Clay, Nick, and Doug. Hello! Hello! And we are trying to become better Malifaux players, leveling up ourselves and hopefully helping others level up as well. We do that by interviewing top third players from the Lone Star Conference, playing in Malifaux tournaments across the U.S. We're not trying to capture their entire tournament journey, we just want to take an in-depth look at a single game from each of our guests. Key decisions they made before the game, during the game, and now looking back at the game, what were the things that they learned and could pass on to others? Our basic format is to interview the guests all at once, just as soon as possible after the tournament, where it's all fresh in their minds and we can get some good cross-flow between the guests. But rather than publishing one long marathon podcast, we break it up, releasing one individual podcast per guest, helping people level up one game at a time. Today, we're speaking with Jonathan, Brian, and Nick. Hello. Yo. Hello again. Again. <laughs> Hello again. These guys came in third, second, and first at the February Malifaux monthly tournament held in Houston on 11 February. And we're going to be releasing these discussions with them as episodes 4A, 4B, and 4C. Here we go. Okay, so today I am talking to Jonathan about his game during the February 11th Houston monthly tournament here in Houston, Texas. I think I just said Houston twice, but you know Houston. what? I'm okay with it. Houston. Houston. How are you doing today, Jonathan? Awesome. Thanks for having me, Doug, and the rest of the students. Appreciate it. Always glad to have you here. So we are going to just kick this off. The icebreaker question for today. Who was your first master? And knowing what you know now, would you recommend them to a new player? Uh, so I got pulled into Malifaux, I guess, maybe halfway through second edition uh, by a buddy of mine, Rob, uh, when I was living in the Chattanooga area. And so I, I looked over all the cards and I picked Masaki because I dug the ninja theme. Uh, sadly, her ninjas are not the most powerful part of her crew. Uh, so <laughs> I, I uh, quickly uh, switched over to Arcanist. I got a, a Rasputina crew and a, and a Marcus crew, and that was kind of it for my uh, time with Ten Thunders. But I definitely uh, recommend Masaki. Uh, to a newer player, as long as they are an aggressive player. Uh, she can be uh, really brutal if, if she's played correctly. Uh, so if you if you like charging in and killing stuff and then teleporting back into outer space, uh, she's really fun uh, to play. I actually just played a uh, teaching game with a uh, player who was returning after having taken, you know, a couple years off. Okay. And we uh, put Masaki on the table for him. Yeah. And uh, it went very well for him. Yeah, she's she's solid. She's got a lot of cool tricks. Her stats are high, so she you know she doesn't get into too much trouble. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a good pick for a beginner, I would think. She's got tricks, but not so many tricks, and doesn't require such a deep knowledge of the rules Correct. that it's like okay, you got to know this little obscure bit here to link over to this, and that little bit there to know exactly how she works. She's tricky but straightforward, you know. Correct. Yeah, exactly right. Which I like. But yeah, so. We're going to take an in-depth look at uh, a game from the tournament here in Houston. Houston, Houston. Uh, <laughs> what round are you talking about today? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to talk about round one, which is a continuation of uh, my uh, my frequent contest with another local player, Christian. Uh, he, he, uh, I, he always tries to bring his A game 
Although uh, this round he was he was tempted back into Bayou, so I feel like it, it was not a fair battle just just because of that. He had shown up, he was going to declare Rezzers, and uh, I guess because I had switched over to Rezzers, he he somehow you know defaulted back to Bayou, and then it was just kind of okay. Well, uh, you know it's it's, it's back to normal mode. So uh, yeah, talking about round one, um, I, this is probably the only round that I had planned out like a stupid list for uh, because it was wedge and um, because. Castor is new and fun. I thought I would try this Castor list, which uh, which would allow me to charge into his deployment zone with my first AP, which seemed pretty fun to do. You know, uh, you know, worth a shot. And it was it was round one, so there were no expectations. So that that's why I went with Castor uh, for this particular scheme pool. Have you had the chance to get uh, very many reps in with Castor yet? I played a couple of games with them. Uh, now, a couple of the games were in San Antonio. They did this really cool, like, uh, wrestling-themed uh, game day. So my lists with him were not normal. Like, uh, you're able to put wrestlers in there and Mancha Roja and stuff. So it was it was a really silly day. Um, so I, I haven't got many, like, official Castor games in. But every time i played him, he's been a, a, a real blast to play. So I was happy to play him at this tournament as well. Yeah, yeah I, I've uh, found him fun so far myself. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward when we get into the actual. Uh, we'll be talking, uh, you know, obviously about your list and stuff here, but uh, uh, how Archie compares against Mancha Roja. That's that's one of those fights for the ages, and I'm really interested in hearing how that how that goes. I was just oh, thinking about that the other day. Yeah, here he comes oh. with the steel chair. Oh! <laughs> and of course, Archie doesn't care. Like he's he's totally all all in for any of that stuff. Well, th- does that mean he's like the Undertaker then? Kinda. He's got yeah, a little yeah. bit with with an ice cream cone. Yeah, <laughs> Undertaker with an ice cream cone. That's perfect. But the the real question when it comes to Archie is, what flavor is the ice cream cone? Uh, my Archie is kind of like maybe a a, a raspberry, uh, maybe a cherry raspberry kind of something. Is uh, a, a, a nice deep red. However you want to take that. So okay, that's, yeah. it's that's important. It's clearly important to his success <laughs> on the table. I agree. So before the tournament, you uh, you chose Rezzers. Uh, now, did you end up playing Castro for the entire tournament, or switched up Masters across the day? No, I uh, so yeah, I played Castor, Molly, and then Seamus uh, in rounds one, two, and three. And again, I, I probably had a, a a better list for um, for Carve a Path for with Rezzers, but again, it was I had the stupid list in mind. And, and because it was Bayou, no offense to Bayou players, but like playing into Bayou with Rezzers is not one specific thing I have to watch out for. So I felt like I, I could probably pick any, any master and it, it would be okay. And, you know, it, it might blow up in my face, but I wouldn't feel too stupid about it. So that's why I went with the stupid Castor list. Um, and of course, Christian totally exposed me by, uh, he, he was playing Captain Zip and I was all set up for, um, you know, first AP charge into his deployment zone. And then he, of course, used Zip, dropped a couple uh, pianos into my deployment zone. And all my dreams were were, were crushed uh, completely. So what was in your silly shit? Because it sounds like you were kind of being a little shenanigans-y with Castor. Yeah, so I, it was pretty stupid. And there's probably a better way to do it. But I had Castor. Uh, I, I took Wide Eyes and Gwil from his keyword just because they, they're versatile. And uh, they seem really good to me. I also took Archie and Manos because they punch really well. And they also have Leap, which I, I felt like would help with uh, Carve the Path. And then I took a couple Enslaved Spirits. Um, cause that was going to let me with the first enslaved spirit, I was able to kick a can and then chain gang and kick the can again, which felt really good. And then the second one was able to at least kick it once and could also push Castor again or push up Archie if, if needed. Um, so that, that gave me a little bit of uh, first turn 
uh, flexibility there. Okay, and uh, he was playing, looks like a pretty standard Captain Zip list. Yeah, he had Zip with 12 cups of coffee, which was probably like the the, the, the best hire he had that game it was 12 cups of coffee. That thing was brutal. Uh, he was able to park Captain Zip like right in my deployment zone, and I couldn't do any of my cool bonus activities. Uh, you know, between that and, and boring conversation, he made it really challenging for me to do anything. But uh, other than that, yeah, he had uh, Mancha, the first mate, two Skeeters, and Bowfish Bocker. So pretty standard. And he had a bunch of stones. He had, I guess, seven stones left, which made all of his guys really survivable. Okay. Round one, it was Wedge. It was Carve a Path. The schemes were Breakthrough, Vendetta, Assassinate, Sabotage, and Load em Up. What schemes did you end up picking? Uh, so I, I had a bunch of killy guys. Kestrel likes to kill stuff. So I just picked the killiest schemes possible because uh, that was my goal, just to punch things. So I picked Vendetta and I picked uh, Assassinate because I, I thought I did have enough movement to try to uh, track Zip down and, and get him with that. Um, and then Vendetta, I took uh, Vendetta with Gwil on Mancha Roja because Mancha's a beater. I thought he would have to kind of be in the thick of things. And Gwil has a nice stat six ranged attack that, that's not a gun. So she can just shoot it wherever and, you know, at least at least ping him for, you know, one or two and, and, and get the vendetta point that way. Well, that's that's a solid way to go about that. And it's stat six with the uh, life and death trigger, which is nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So if, if one of your guys is standing next to their model, you know, I, I can hurt them while also healing my own guys. So it's pretty, pretty efficient way to uh, live your life. And injured. So it makes them even easier to hit the next time around. <laughs> Correct. Nice. If I can ask just on the on the list building and that I've certainly seen lists with, you know, two or three beaters. If you've kind of got, you know, Castor as a beater, Manos and Archie as three beaters, is there enough card quality to make that useful or or is is that a concern? How do you work the card quality on that? Or is it that you've just got enough min three beats going that you just are laying a lot of hits on people and so you don't even really have to worry about what your what your what your hand looks like? I think because it was carve with which you know with the leap doesn't take that much AP to try to you know get the strat points and because it had vendetta and assassinate uh, both in the pool it seemed like an easy one to take uh, you know take the beaters and you know Archie was and and, and Monos were both doing stuff like kicking the can and you know trying to blow up uh, you know pianos and whatever it just I I think I took them mostly for their survivability and also for their mobility yeah. Okay, yes, because it sounds like, I mean, you were really gunning on that double leap thing, which in Carve a Path, well, I hadn't thought about that, but I mean, in Carve a Path, that is a great way, you know, kick it, leap, kick it again. Right. And those are not just models with leap, but those are some of the most survivable models with leap in the game. Right. I, I can't think of anything else that has leap that is as tanky as those two. Yeah, that's probably true. So did, did you end up finding that uh, during the game you were using them more as beaters or doing the, you know, kick, leap, kick? Or did you just get that into his zone so fast that then it's like, all right, I don't have to worry about carve a path for the rest of the game. I'm just going to murder stuff. So, yeah, so uh, Christian took a completely different tactic, which is he, he decided he wasn't going to try to punch me at all. He was only going to scheme. So he took breakthrough and sabotage, which made for a very strange game. Um, and because he was able to camp zip in my deployment zone and keep throwing out pianos and, you know, pinging me with boring conversation and also with 12 cups of coffee, he made it really challenging for me to do basically anything. Thankfully, I was able to kill enough of his models that I was able to pull out a victory, but it wasn't like anything was easy. I guess he had more IP going through 
through kicking this can than I did. So it was, it was definitely more of a struggle for me than I was anticipating trying to get my markers, you know, where they needed to go. Yeah. I can see, um, bringing along the white eyes that no, uh, I, I hadn't noticed on him previously, the no resistance trigger aura, but zip has got one of the most annoying resistance triggers in the game. Yeah, that was probably the only reason I was able to take Zip down uh, because, you know, he, he had so many soul stones and he's so uh, maneuverable, you know, just with with his basic attack that because I was able to hit him without him blasting off made it made it really easy for me to, number one, get my first you know assassinate point, but then number two, kill him when I needed to, uh, you know, to get the second point. During the game, we, we know your plan. We know what uh, it looked, what it quickly became obvious that uh, Christian's plan was you were going to murder him he was going to run away and score his schemes. <laughs> right. So tell us a little bit about the game there. Yeah. So uh, it was, we were playing on this beautiful map. Doug, is it called the, was it the mad Titan? Uh, the uh, dead fall Titan? It, fallen Titan. The I fallen think. Titan. So it's a beautiful map. There's this giant head and a giant rib cage and a giant arm with a sword and stuff. It's amazing. But in, in the very middle is this huge piece of terrain. So it makes this really big choke point, um, which uh, Christian filled with pianos. So, you know, it took me, um, oh, is this for sale at Top, at, at Top Doug Designs? I, I, I believe it is. It is. It is, in <laughs> fact, a Top Doug Design thing. <laughs> Why, thank you. Dave. That is fantastic. <laughs> I had to throw that in chat because I didn't want to interrupt. And I was like, Here, here's an opportunity. And it was, bam, stop everybody in the tracks. I was like, shit, okay. Well. Our lovely sponsor, who's also me. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, because of that choke point with a lovely top dug design terrain, um, it just took it took a lot of AP for me to break the pianos and actually and finally break out. And unfortunately, Castor did have to walk. I was hoping to only charge him turn one, but it didn't happen. I had to walk far enough away out of Zip's aura so I could charge effectively. Uh, I was able to get a beautiful charge into a Skeeter and uh, was able to get uh, moderate damage which meant that the Skeeter took four damage and Skeeter was near enough to uh, Earl Burns and to the first mate. They both took three damage. Castor was then able to teleport with his blast marker onto the other side, punched the Skeeter again to took it down, take it down to one. And then he was able to teleport Marathine. I, I happen to have the Tome in hand. So he teleported Marathine over there. Marathine stabbed the Skeeter. Skeeter blew up, uh, killed Earl Burns, and then set the uh, first mate on fire. Nice. So first mate was able to still be effective, you know, for a couple more turns, but he was slowly melting as he was, you know, kicking cans and trying to scheme. So that, that was pretty satisfying. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a uh, solid activation there. I mean, yeah, Castor, he had to walk like a peasant. I mean, <laughs> what the heck? It was, it, it was, it was really depressing. Yeah. It, I mean, it sounds like that zip play playing very aggro zip there, you know, like, Hey, right. I'm here. Pianos. And I'm boring. That's uh, it was yeah. He 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 played it really well. He was able to do uh, is it is it up is it up we go where he we used to throw you around. So he was able to throw around some enslaved spirits. Now thankfully they have incorporeal, so they were they were probably more tanky than he was expecting. But he was able to throw them around as he got into position to basically camp in the middle of my whole crew. So he he pretty much dominated the uh, midboard for 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 at least. I guess probably four turn. I probably cut him, you know, turn four, and then and then I was able to have some freedom and, and go out and try to get his his scheme runners. But um, you know, other than that, uh, Archie kept trying to leap back and forth and punch Mancha Roja, you know, until I could get the uh, vendetta point and try to kick cans and break pianos. So basically, just do whatever we could to try to 
get some clearance and try to, um, you know, get, get, get our cans up the board. Yeah. That's a very aggressive shutdown move with a zip there until you, uh, like you mentioned this, I hadn't thought of how strong a shutdown that is. Cause I mean, he's got that boring conversation, right? So they got to pass the TN thing, uh, the TN duel to do anything. And he's got 12 cups of coffee. Right. And he's dropping pianos to get in your way. On uh, wedge deployment, that is a hard shutdown, especially going against your uh, super aggro, I'm going to charge turn one crew. That's right. that's a solid plan as part there. Yeah, it was it was a really smart play. And the, yeah, so and that kept me so busy that by the late game, I, I was thankfully able to deny him his uh, his his second point of uh, breakthrough and of sabotage, but it, uh, I was not able to deny the first two points. He, he just had too many models uh, that had gotten all the way in my deployment zone. He had been able to kick his cans all the way to the end of the map. So there was no way to really kick him out of my deployment zone to, to deny points there. So he did, he did a great job of, of going around on the flanks, totally ignoring, you know, my, my whole crew basically, ex- except for zip and, and trying to use his guys as, as scheme runners. Can you talk a a little bit about the kind of the mini game of the carve markers versus the pianos. Cause that's, that's part of the other risk that Christian took was dropping a bunch of pianos in on you with you being able to push a carve marker through them just to delete them. And so how did that play out? How was he able to do that? Uh, and obviously we're interviewing you, not him, but, but how was he able to do that uh, effectively? Uh, any tips that were painful from your side, I guess, as you think uh, about that kind of mini game. Probably halfway because I'm a moron and I I didn't try it. Uh, oh, okay. I, I guess... <laughs> sorry, I did not mean no, to good. call you out. Yeah, no, appreciate <laughs> that. That's good. I'm let me sorry. Let, let, let me write this down. Wait, I'm sorry. If you if you kick, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. Maybe it was with the placement of the cans, and there was there was like a tree, and I, I could just be you know misreading the rules, but I, I guess I would have had to kick the kick the can through the tree, um, you know, in order to to, to try to take out. Be, uh, a uh, piano. So I, I guess the, the pianos were not really preventing me from kicking a can so much as Zip's uh, boring conversation aura and his, his um, you know, 12 cups of coffee. Again, probably probably stupidity played played a big part of it. But, you know, I was trying to, you know, kick one can up one way and one can up, up the other. And once he, once he uh, you know, wrecked all of my, my, my first turn charge plans with a Zip's placement that kind of, you know, made me forget about Maybe some some counterplay to the piano. So next time, Christian, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna get you. I'm I, I'm gonna kick all my cans through all your pianos. Not even gonna care about the points. Uh, <laughs> Goodbye, pianos. <laughs> yeah, this is it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn this rule. Yeah. What was kind of really a key turning point moment in the game? Because I mean, it is. I mean, it was a high scoring, close game. Because you won eight to six. So what really made the difference to get those two points there. What were some key moments for you? I guess the first big moment was being able to uh, blow up uh, the Skeeter and Earl with one activation from Castor and also set the first mate on fire. Doing four damage to the first mate without having to attack him was really nice. And then, you know, having him be, you know, set on fire definitely limited his, his play. And then also Christian not knowing about uh, Wide Eyes and his... Um, his no resistance trigger aura, I think, stopped him from trying to run away when he wanted to. I think, I think he had he had had enough after after I got that first assassinate point. But because he wasn't able to escape, um, I, I think you know he he was kind of resigned to the fact that he was just gonna 
you know, die there. I, so, so I think, I think being able to, to, to finally kill zip and keep him from stopping me, you know, turn five definitely helped me to, uh, prevent enough points to actually get a win. Awesome. And so uh, you guys made it all the way through all five turns. Yeah, we made it all the way through all five turns. It was actually a pretty quick game. Um, I, I guess basically because we were both try- just trying to do one thing, you know, kill her or, 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 or run away. So yeah, it, it was a good game and we, we sort of used the clocks well. I think Christian did, did a lot better job than I did uh, using our, our unofficial clocks. But yeah, it was, it was, it was really fun. That's awesome. Castor being a, a, a newer master that, you know, requiring proxies and, and kind of needing to be figured out both in cards and on table. Uh, were there any aha moments internally where you saw a connection or a, uh, a niche thing that the return keyword can do, whether it's a combo off of a trigger or some like some cool thing that you might've learned during this game or even this tournament. Cause I, I'm sure as you go, you're going to be learning more and more about the keyword and figuring out some of the synergies. But is there, is there anything you can think of that really connected? I think especially in resers, there's a, there's a model in the return keyword called Gwil. He's a henchman or she's a hench. It's the henchman. Uh, it's a, I don't even know what it is. It's a fairy a mushroom dryad thing, but um, Gwil is able to heal up living models, friendly living models without, having to flip basically um, you know, there's, there's no TN on it with, with their attack action and Rezzers really doesn't have a lot of love for living things. There's a lot of bust for undead models and constructs and things like that. So, you know, the fact that, that there's now a model that can really help out with some of the, you know, living models in the Rezzers keyword, I think, I, I think it's really cool. And I think Will's going to be a really good tech piece, um, you know, for, for certain crews. Gotcha. I appreciate the, uh, the answer. And have you, utilized the reser upgrades which we all know are pretty fantastic in the return keyword uh yeah so uh definitely uh, grave spirits touch is awesome on anyone with the return keyword because if, if they're healing past their max health they get to do something cool even if it's just like a two inch uh push or like wide eyes is awesome he pulses out a damage if he heals past his max so that's a nice really uh kind of plink thing to do so i think i think probably with return you're going to see grave spirits touch at least once if not twice and Will also has a tendency to kind of melt themselves with their uh, with their bonus action sanguine evocations. So I, I think putting and Will can't really heal itself. So uh, putting uh, Grave Spirit's touch on Will is, is definitely helpful. I know I, I know Whisper is awesome, but I I'm not seeing much need for it with the return keyword. And then Castor himself is ruthless, but I, I guess against certain crews, you may want to put killer instinct on there as well also with the with, with the deadly pursuit if you put that on your on your cavern nephilim they may get super fast uh, and, and get pretty interesting that way yeah i had noticed with the uh, decay that's like oh right yeah just target my own model boom and no flip heal well yeah yeah you have to flip for it but there's you know no target number on it i had not noticed that yet that's a solid one Yes, but you know, if the model has black blood or uh, well, no, I, I I guess with white eyes, if it you know heals back again, you can plink damage, you can get some movement tricks in there. It, it's it, it's really effective. I think you can definitely surprise your opponent if they're not ready, because there's several models like the urn bearer can also kind of throw some stuff out there. So um, th- there's definitely some play that is pretty interesting with, with with the keyword. All of the shielded that the crew hands out, you hadn't mentioned too much of that, or and maybe it's because it's only within the the crew, but uh, that's been something that I've certainly noticed playing against Castor is like just a 
ungodly amount of shielded everywhere. Was that a factor in in your game at all? No, I, I wasn't really playing a true cast or a list. I was playing kind of a kind of a hodgepodge, and 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 that's a that's an issue with me playing resers. I, I tend to to just like kind of cherry pick a lot of you know pieces from different keywords, which may or or, or may not be a good thing. Um, I think certain masters you kind of have to stay in keyword, but but for for uh, Castor, I think he he's able to kind of do his own thing. He's not that dependent on the crew, and so you know you can take a couple key pieces from his keyword, and then then some other tech tech pieces as well. So I have not done any of the cool uh, shielded shenanigans like like Doug has been able to accomplish. Uh-huh. I've only put them on the table for two, <laughs> and it was you know fun. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so who do you feel like was the MVP model in your crew for this game, and why? Uh, probably the totem Marathine. Uh, Marathine was the one that uh, blew up the uh, the Skeeter, which killed uh, Earl and did a bunch of damage to uh, first mate. Marathine was also the one I think that put the final hit on Mancha Roja. Christian had smartly, uh, after I got the first point of vendetta, he he smartly juggernauted Mancha up, and I, I think after two turns he he had him back up to full and ran him away and ran him completely into my deployment zone. So I had to run after him and catch him. And I think Marathine in, in turn five was able to deal the final point of damage to Mancha and pick up the scheme marker that he needed for the final point of, of breakthrough. So I, I think I think having a having a totem that can do so much is is really important to Castor's effectiveness. With, with Castor, uh, did you find yourself update uh, activating him before Marathine or Marathine before him? Because uh, in the games I've played with uh, Castor so far, it kind of feels like picking that order between the two of them ends up being really important because, okay, Marathine, I want him to go run off and do some stuff. And then Casper's like, come back here. He's like, okay. And then it can go, it can make for a very rapid pivot with Marathine. Um, yeah, I don't, Castor wasn't really in any danger in this uh, matchup because Christian wasn't trying to attack my models other than Zip just trying to throw people around to get a better positioning. So it wasn't as big of an issue. It was nice to heal off the burning damage that Castor was taking every turn from the Skeeter blowing up. Uh, but I, I didn't have to use Marathine to save him uh, very much in this in, in this matchup. Um, I think, man, I'm trying to think. I, I, I guess, you know, situate, like round five, I think I saved Marathine for last just, just in case I had to pick up that scheme marker. You know, or, or or had to go in and, and do some plank damage. So I, I think in, in other matchups it matters a lot. In this one, not not so much. With Marathane as your MVP, I'm wondering, and, and obviously you were running resers for this tournament, right. um, but just uh, a great question earlier about the upgrades. That the idea of inhuman reflexes and the fact that it gives blade rush so that you can get. Uh, the extra plus one damage, <laughs> like every time Marathane just walks by, which is a lot. Is that something that would, you know, it, it, how, how, maybe I guess I'm trying to ask, how much did you love Castor? Could you ever see yourself trying to solo Castor? And and if so, is something like the Inhuman Reflexes upgrade enough to make you think about doing it in Neverborn? I, I, I have a lot of trouble soloing any master. I, I, I like variety, so I, I usually take a bunch of... Basically, as many models as I can fit in my bag, I take them to, to each tournament. Cool. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and I also haven't tried out Castor with with, uh, with Neverborn, so I, I, I'm not sure. It, it sounds really tasty to just kind of charge Marathine around and, and, and clip people for one, um, but I, I have not tried that trick, so appreciate the tip. Yeah, I, I've had a... Uh, the, the couple times I've ran Castor, I put uh, Inhuman Reflexes on both 
him on both Marathon and uh, Big Daddy Castro. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. There. Because, I mean, he wants to charge a lot and he's got that two inch engagement range. Right. Plus, then you've got that, oh, scamper, I'm within two, <laughs> you're outside of your, you know, range there. It just gets really annoying on models with a two inch reach. Yeah, it sounds super fun. Super fun, he says. Super, super fun <laughs> if it's you who's playing it. Super fun for the Correct. guy who's running Castor and yeah. Marathon. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, that sounded a little sarcastic. <laughs> Audience, you be the judge of that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult because he he's such a big beater that like you don't you don't feel like you need it, but if if you're gonna go all in, I mean, you know, might as well you know clip him for another one as you're as you're charging in. So um, yeah, go for it. Or, or ideally, I mean, because he's got a decent size move. I mean, he's got what a move six there. Yeah, move six. Yeah, and that you know, hey, I can run over a bunch of models all at once, smack right. someone, blast, place on the other side. And then you know, uh, kidnap someone with his uh, what, what's that called the the uh, visceral rampage? <laughs> Did you yeah. find yourself using visceral rampage all that often, or just punching the crap out of him? I actually, yeah, I used it late game. I charged Castor back into my own deployment zone to try to deny breakthrough, and uh, sadly, he just had too many models. I, I was able to engage uh, two models with Castor, but he also dropped Mancha back there, so he, he was still able to score his first point of breakthrough. But then I was able to, even though I was engaged with um, with Bo Fishbacher, I was able to visceral rampage over and try to punch you know Mancha out to make sure I got that second vendetta point. So it was definitely effective. I didn't really get to kidnap anybody, uh, you know, just just to kind of take him take him away for a snack. But I was able to use it to get out of engagement. Um, and, and do what I needed to do. So it was definitely effective. After the game, looking back at this there. So we all know that, you know, Castor is a new master. A lot of people have not seen him on the table yet, so they don't really necessarily know what he can do or what his crew can do. To be fair, we're all still kind of figuring out what he can do and what his crew can do. I don't know who has unlocked the secret sauce with him yet or not, but we shall see. He seems like there's potential what advice would you give to a bottom third player facing your crew for the first time? Yeah, so, I, you know, Castor is dangerous, and thankfully he looks like he's dangerous. There's some masters that are super dangerous, but they look kind of dainty. Uh, but Castor is definitely someone you want to stay away from, although, you, re- I mean, you really can't stay away that much. Um, I would just say don't, don't try to assassinate him because it's really easy to keep him alive. There's a lot of cool healing tricks in the crew. I haven't played against him yet, so it, it, it's hard to tell. I, I think Christian played it right. I think Christian just schemed and didn't even try to, to, to attack. And he, and he almost got all his points. So I, it took, it took all I had to try to deny him those last two points. So I think just stay away and just, you know, stay in your lane and, and, and try to get your points and don't really worry too much about the big scary monster. Yeah. I mean, eight, six, that is a close game. Is that yeah, the closest close. game that you and of Christian, you and Christian have had so far? I will, I will cautiously say yes. Very good. So he's getting better and better. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. It took everything I had to try to deny those points. He, he played an awesome game. He, he probably played played a better game than I did. I just happened to, uh, you know, blow up that skeeter and, and take out basically his whole his whole right flank. So that was, yeah, that, that definitely saved the day. Advice for a middle third player. Uh, you know, someone's got a little bit. Uh, you got some experience under their belt. You know, working their way up the uh, up the uh, rankings there. What advice would you give to a new uh, to a middle tier player playing into this crew? Yeah, I would just say like 
I guess it's kind of the same advice, but but definitely just play your own game. Don't don't try to get into like a you know killing war or or, or or war of attrition. Don't don't try to do what the other crew is doing. Make sure that you're you're following your own plan and trying to play to your own strengths. Don't 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 get you know tilted because you lose a model or whatever, and, and, and try to you know get revenge or whatever. Just make sure that you're still trying to get your schemes and, and, and strats, and don't don't worry so much about what's going on with the other side. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like. Uh... Christian did a good job. It followed that advice well. Get kept it very tight. He he played Malifo and not Killifo. Right. Agreed. But he played Bayou. <laughs> but he did play Bayou. I, that was, I, first I, mistake. I, I was I was so he, I was so excited to play his Seamus list. Apparently, he has this awesome Seamus list, and he was he was going to bring it, and then he just this this switch popped in his head, and he fell right back into the Bayou trap. So um, you know, someday that that's what we we've said it on this podcast before. <laughs> And um, we'll say it again. There's something with Bayou players yeah. that no matter what, they, they always come back to Bayou yeah. for some reason. Because they're always reason. wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I will also say that it could easily have been just familiarization. You know, he has could played be. a could lot be. of zip games. I don't yeah. know how much he's put Seamus on the table, but that could be one of those things where if I'm facing you on the other side and I'm like, Hey, I got this new crew that I think might be able to, you know, it's it's objectively better in this pool or whatever, but I've got a ton more reps in this other one. I'm going with the, with the more reps one for sure. So no, totally. Yeah. And he, he definitely plays it really well. He, um, yeah, he, he really shocked me with charging in there and dropping the pianos. I I don't think I've seen someone plays it that, that aggressively where you just like, you know, throw, throw every, throw all caution to the wind and just, you know, jump straight into the opponent's crew. It was really cool to watch. Well, especially with assassinate in the pool. Correct. And that sounded like that was incredibly tough to overcome. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was again with the combination of 12 cups of coffee and boring conversation. And I, I think he thought he was going to be able to run away with his, with his, uh, you know, trigger, but thankfully white eyes was sitting there and was able to stop him from doing that. Yeah, I feel like in in that playing in that crew, if you're a a crew that really re- relies on your resistance triggers, white eyes might be the first to die, sort of target wise. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Advice for a top third player: What do you wish you had done differently in this game, and what were some major lessons you learned from uh, playing this game with the new master, and even just you know lessons in general? Um, so I, I think I wasted some AP with Manos. I, I had tried to take him up on the left side, but he, uh, Christian had two models there. He had a Skeeter and Bo Fischbacher. Uh, both of them have some really good movement tricks. So I basically just got outmaneuvered. I, I'd kick my can up, but he was able to just kind of like, you know, run around me and then kick my can straight back into Zip and all of his boring conversation shenanigans. So it just, it, it really wasted a lot of my time and effort. I should have just let his models come to me then maybe try to, you know, e- either kill them and then kick or just try to run around him, you know, the opposite way. So I I, I kind of played into his strengths as opposed to just being a little more patient and, and playing to my own strengths. Okay. What lessons did you learn about uh, Castor in general? Because, I mean, obviously he's a new master. Every time you put him on the table, you're going to be learning something new with him. What new stuff did you learn about Castor? So I think currently I'm at like 10% with remembering Will's um, ability uh, Whisper in Their Ear, which allows you to discard a card to draw a card when, when a leader activates. I always forget it. And that is either leader too. Yeah, either is. it's awesome. It's really cool, really effective, and I never do it. So I need to make myself like a little sign or put some sort of flashing lights on this card 
you know, maybe maybe get, get some like like a cheat sheet. I can just hold it in my hand. Uh, I, I need to do something to make sure that I remember all my abilities because that is really frustrating when when you forget something key like that. Well, yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff in that crew that okay, a model activate uh, a model activated. All right, let's make sure. Did he heal up to here? Did this happen? Let's double check. You know, if he's in range of this guy and he heals up, okay, there's some of that. Right. And and even like if there's multiple models within the four inches, who am I going to heal? Do I want to heal? You know, like, is it worth pinging myself for the damage? There's definitely a lot of uh, really intricate uh, interactions if you're, if you're playing the full cast or crew. All right. So um, questions from, you know, Clay, Brian, Nick, got any questions here? Have you tried the other version of Castor and... Would that have been an option for this pool and faction that you were you were facing? Yeah, I think in a different scheme pool, I think other Castor is really cool. I also like that he attacks movement and against certain, you know, keywords. It's really good to have that that movement attack. If someone again has really dirty triggers uh, on their defense or willpower, then sometimes it's nice to have that other play. Uh, I haven't put him on the table, but also the fact that he can just get a get a double positive flip to his damage. You know, which which pretty much guarantees you getting getting a five damage hit is really strong. He also heals himself, um, so I I think he's he's definitely got to play. He's also evasive, so um, you know he's really getting against a lot of crews that way as well. So I I don't know, I, I haven't tried him again, but he seems equally as punchy in, in in different ways. He just may not be quite as survivable against all crews. Yeah, I just realized that the front of card uh, he has out of activation interact. Oh, it's uh, awesome! Yeah, suffering suffering damage, which is pretty <laughs> fantastic in certain pools and pretty clutch potentially. Correct. So. Yeah, exactly right. And and he can have he can have Marathine, uh, I think, drop a scheme marker. So if if you're trying to do something like spread him out or you know, you know sabotage where you where you don't quite have the AP, he can just you know drop it where he needs to go. It's really cool. Ignoring range and line of sight. And he's also got that pulse of if he'd heal up to full, he gets a pulse out damage that he can do from him or from Marathine. Yeah. Yeah, he's. He, I, I think he's got a lot of sneaky play, so he's. He, I, I think he's pretty solid. I just haven't tried him out yet. He seems less straightforward than you know all of the limes, Castor. <laughs> all the limes. Right. He only has a couple limes. Uh, oh, he, he, <laughs> he can handle the limes. He's got limes on limes on limes. <laughs> Lime, yeah. The other one, he's just too many limes. Yeah. Yeah. Castor Awaken only has two limes. He's just getting started, so. Well, it looks like he he like woke up and he ate his limes. That's why he's awakened. <laughs> nice. I mean, if I woke up and I ate an entire lime, that would definitely wake me up. Yeah, I think so. I wanted to ask a little bit, uh, and it's just the the moment where, you, you know, it's kind of after after Christian's first uh, activation and now Zip's in your crew and you're not going to get to do your, your turn one alpha strike, you know, which is kind of what you right. built your entire plan around. Uh, could you talk to your headspace kind of at that minute and how you were able to pull yourself like you're not a guy who typically tilts, but I can imagine that that would be a tilting moment where you're like, my entire plan has just crumbled. And so how did you get back into the game? Like to the, I mean, you kicked butt, you got it. You got eight points, but after a pretty big setback after the first activation. So I, I guess what helped was I, I already knew that it was a stupid plan. And two, I, I, I never have a plan because I know that it's always going to go bad. Uh, I like that. So it was stupid of me to even have a plan and try to follow through with it. So uh, I, I was, I, I was, uh, it was a, a self-fulfilling prophecy that it was going to go wrong. 
And so I just, again, I, I just tried to deal with it. And it was, it was so fun and, 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 and unexpected that um, it was kind of an interesting puzzle to try to work myself out of. Like, okay, I have all these pianos, but there's a boring conversation. So it's going to take like everything I have just to try to get out of this, you know, bubble of, of pain and suffering. So it was, it, it was, it, it was interesting enough that I didn't go full tilt. No, well, thank you. Sure. Totally random question because, you know, hey, we're talking about coming up with stupid plans and stuff. What ad did you use for proxy for Castor? Uh, so I have the uh, second edition Snowstorm model. And thankfully, I had not glued the little lady to Snowstorm. So I have this giant Wendigo creature uh, who is big and hulking. He does not have any limes, but he at least looks like he could, you know, uh, charge six inches and, you know, carry you off into like a little cave somewhere and, and, and nibble on you. So it, it seemed like it's... He's a man who could handle his limes. <laughs> Yeah, he he has a full contingent of limes, you know, waiting for him back at home. So yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, thanks for coming on. It is always a pleasure to have you on the show here. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Hopefully, it, it made sense to those who weren't actually uh, playing the game. And uh, <laughs> definitely open to comments if, uh, if 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 any sort of nonsense was spewed. But yeah, appreciate you having me. Thanks. All righty. Uh, before you before you sign off, though, wanted to ask if you had any plugs. Uh, oh, right. plugs, 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 plugs. Plugs are good. Yeah, let's, uh, I'd like to plug Heroic Scale Gamers. They're doing some good work uh, on the YouTube uh, circuit. They are trying to step up their Malifaux game, and I, I think they're doing awesome stuff. They're also very open to suggestions. They really want to put out some top-quality content. So if you like to watch real Malifaux being played, uh, definitely support those guys. Go go watch some games. And again, pl- please let them know what you think. They are listening, and they're trying to, 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 to make their, their service better. So... I've, I've really been impressed with, with how, how uh, much they've improved just in the short time they, they've been doing Malifaux content. Oh, yeah. Nathan Nathan is awesome. He's been uh, learning a whole bunch. He's out there on most Thursday nights. But, yeah, go check out. Uh, we'll make sure we've got a link to their YouTube channel here. Go give him a subscribe. Uh, subscribes on YouTube are free. All it takes is, you know, click a button, and right. that will help them out tons. Students of Conflict is brought to you by Top Dog Design. Check out topdogdesign.com for all of your Malifaux terrain needs. Top Dog Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo! Let me see. Where was I there? Do, 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 do.